Welcome to the show. On this episode, I chat with Laura Taylor. She is the founder of Mingle Mocktails. And it was really interesting. They reached out to me because I think they know that I love some sober, curious, alcohol-free lifestyle living. And we had a great conversation. I wasn't totally sure what to expect because she had such a diverse background in corporate America and software. And I thought, wow, what really moves a woman to walk away from all of that and start a wonderful mocktail brand that has caught the eyes of Bethany Frankel? She's got lots of really fun investors and it's such a growing category. I thought we could have a great conversation. And what I learned from Laura was some things that I've experienced, but some things that were also kind of new to me as far as how to get investors. I think we know that starting a business can be really tough and it can even be hard to identify what the first step is. So it was great to chat with somebody who's had so much success and gained national distribution in places like Whole Foods with this beverage. And she knew nothing about beverage. She even joked, she goes, you probably know more about beverage than I do because I worked with vitamin water in the past. Um, But we had a great conversation. And I think for anybody who's got a product idea, and I think we all probably do on some level, this is your sign, man. Anybody can do it. You can have any sort of background as long as you really stay centered and committed to your vision and just hold out hope that the right people will show up at the right time. You can do anything. So I, I hope you enjoy this episode with Laura and feel free to check out the show notes. I highly recommend Mingle Mocktails. I think it's great if you want to have a social night out or have people over and you just don't feel like having wine or experiencing the next day hangovers of ingesting any sort of alcohol. So enjoy and be sure to check her out. Laura, it's so wonderful to have you on the show. I have had other experts in this um, alcohol-free kind of like environment here before, but we've never had an, a creator of a solution product, which is what I think this is with Mingle. So this is an alcohol-free beverage that I feel like gives you something to hold in those awkward environments where everybody else is holding a glass of wine or a cocktail or a truly, and you just feel like you want to fit in and you don't want to be standing there with a can of LaCroix. So, and it, they taste wonderful. So thank you for sending me some, but I would love to just learn a little bit more about how this got started. People can kind of get the top line from your website, but I think I want to get a little bit more personal to you of if you're willing to share what really prompted you to embrace an alcohol-free lifestyle and then so much so that you wanted to create a product to support that. Yeah. Well, thanks, Elizabeth, for having me on. I'm really excited to be here and speak with you. So how did this product get started? What inspired me? What was my journey like? So my background was corporate. I happened to see that you were in beverage at one point, too, which is interesting. But yeah, my background was not beverage. I never planned on starting a beverage company, let alone an adult non-alcoholic beverage company. But funny enough, I graduated as an industrial engineer, went into industrial sales, wanted to get more into business and worked for some major like services and consulting companies like Accenture and IBM. And was most recently at Tableau Software. And my mindset at the time was, I want to be a businesswoman making my own money to have my choices. You know, I envisioned a corner office back in the day when people were in offices, but that was always my goal. And um, what changed my path was eight years ago, I gave up drinking alcohol. And I am happy to share that. To me, it's all about sharing my story with the community where it is of benefit. And so I touched on the fact that I was corporate. You know, I had a team. I traveled globally. I am a mother. I have, I have two children. I'm married. And so 
Any woman who is trying to, quote, balance all this knows how stressful it can be. And I'm sure, Elizabeth, you can agree, we hold ourselves to high standards, so we're constantly pushing ourselves above and beyond. And I found that I was turning to a couple glasses of wine to relax at night or celebrate with coworkers or go out with friends or, or, or. And I found that I was turning to alcohol really just to numb out and, mm-hmm. and kind of de-stress. So I had to quit. And that was, to me, the best thing for myself and my family. The thing was that I discovered is it was hard to give up drinking alcohol because it was part of my routine. But it was even harder to go back into those social situations where I used to drink and not have that something in my hand, like the elegant glass of wine or the cocktail Mm -hmm. or the cool can, you know. So what truly prompted it was I was invited to a girls weekend after spending, you know, a couple gatherings where I was either carrying uh, diet ginger ale with me or dealing with people asking me questions. I decided there's going to be day drinking. We're going away for the weekend in the Poconos, which is like, you know, going to Lake Tahoe or something along yeah. those lines. And so I decided to pack my own mocktail. I brought my daughter with me to Whole Foods. We grabbed a bunch of ingredients. I'm not a chef or a mixologist by trade, but I pulled together what is now the Cranberry Cosmo. I put it in a one liter bottle, brought it with me. Sure enough, by four o'clock, four o'clock, the cork started popping. And I poured myself this beautiful, bubbly pink drink, sat down with my girlfriends. And that's when I had the spark of, what is this? I have missed this. And it, it was the first time I felt socially connected since giving up drinking. So that was the aha. I love that. I don't know what you think about this, but I mean, I'm of the generation that really kind of like grew up with sex in the city on while I was in college. And they really made it seem like drinking was so chic, right? Like the Cosmo and. And it was, you know, you never really saw them except for a couple episodes with crushing hangovers or a higher baseline of anxiety from it or, you know, it was just all of these things. And so I do feel like that coupled with the mommy wine culture explosion, there is. It's like the girls weekends, of course, are going to involve, you know, cases of wine and trulies and this and that. So I love that you were able to bring that back to a personal story because I feel like we've all been there before. Or we've been on those trips and everybody starts drinking and maybe you're not, maybe you drink, but you're not quite ready at four o'clock to like start drinking or day drinking. Yeah. But you feel like, oh, well, I'm supposed to because this is how we relax, right? Like I feel like as a culture, it's been embraced. Yeah. And so that's on the social side. At the same time, you know, I mentioned I was traveling a lot. Our company holds an annual conference like most. And it was, they blocked, they blocked out the old Las Vegas strip and had a concert there, which was so cool. And I was there with my boss and she's like, let's grab a drink. And I went to the bar, one of the many hosted bars. And I said, what do you have besides soda or water that's not elk? And he's like, nothing. So that was another aha moment that from a work standpoint, you know, to me, it's all about inclusion and, you know, supporting people's different preferences, whether you be vegan or gluten-free or have allergies, and in the social setting. So coming home from that that trip with my girlfriends, I was so inspired by how I felt. I wanted to see what was out there and what was going on in this marketplace because I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm intrigued. I'm like, I want to learn more. And what I found was there were three things lining up. Number one, you mentioned kombucha. 
uh, that health and wellness movement was starting to kick off. So this was like seven years ago, you know, boutique fitness, orange theory. And then there was at the time, 30% of Americans who didn't drink. There was also starting to bubble up in hospitality an interest in non-alcoholic cocktails, like California Pizza Kitchen put it on mocktails on their menu. And then lastly, and this was the key, there was really nothing out there that catered to women. There was, you know, free wine. There's, there is now an explosion of non-elk beers and a couple non-elk spirits. I'm like, I don't want any of those. So right. that's where I really stepped in and kind of crafted this beverage for people like me who want to feel part of the party. Yeah, I love that. So what was your first step? Was it to walk away from your job in tech? Was it to create a side hustle? Did you fund it 100% on your own? So I remember starting to network and a woman in business told me to start listening to how I built this, which was a great test. Like for me, it was a whole new world. I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. And if I did, I wouldn't have done this. But really what happened was I was traveling for work and and every spare moment, especially at night, I would Google, you know, how to start a beverage company. Why do beverage companies fail? And I ended up like locking in on this one blogger who kept kind of providing content that was really valuable to me. So I reached out to this individual. He happened to be in the UK and he, I said, you know, do you know of anybody who could help me potentially start a beverage company? And he referred me to an incubation company and they were based out of New York and Philly. And so I started speaking with them. At the same time, I was networking uh, because of my business background. I was able to tap into just that skill of networking to learn more about this industry. And I found out that there were a ton of shysters who would be happy to take my money to tell me what I need to do. But, you know, a rule of thumb for any woman out there that has, you know, has, has, any sort of intelligence, you can figure it out. Like that's a term we use around at our house is figure it out. And so I met with this gentleman and I had already baked a business plan. So I was kind of conceptualizing this with the business plan on my personal time, but I really worked for a year and a half before quitting. And when I, after incorporating this company, Mingle, I had created my first product seven months later and then kind of dabbled with selling for about eight months before going, okay, it's it's either time to go all in or, you know, go back out to corporate. And my husband told me there were some key milestones that really pointed me in the right di- direction. Finally, my husband said, you can always go back, you know, not yeah. that I would, right. that's like the consolation prize, yeah. like the safe. And I'm like, he's right. I mean, I love, I love the working world. The cor- I miss it parts of it, but that's what gave me the freedom to step forward and go all in. My husband, Ryan, said the exact same thing to me when I left corporate. He was like, you can always go back, just give it a year, something like that. And you mentioned my background is in beverage. Um, and it's so funny because for a long time, there was vitamin water and smart water. And then we had this mm-hmm. little brand called Fruit Water. And I'm not sure if you ever saw it. It was big on the East Coast, like, you know, 2007, 2005. And wouldn't you know, they gave up on it. We discoded it. And then out comes Hint, which is I was literally just... fruit water. And and so yeah. I think that that's a cautionary tale. Like, don't give up too early either. Because I think that if we would have stayed with that, it probably would have been as big as vitamin water. And they didn't. And so I feel like women a lot of times can get tripped up with like, oh, well, there's already one of those now. 
So were you, Laura, not really seeing anything comparative to Mingle or did you see something and you thought I can make that better? Yeah, that is a great question. So there was a brand that was funded virtually by Diageo named Seedlip. Again, yeah. a very fancy mixologist out of the UK, like too cool for school. Like he just looked so hipster. I tried it. It's $40. It tastes, you know, if people like Seedlip, great. It tastes but- terrible. I spent <laughs> I bought two bottles of it as well, desperate for something that was like a gin or something, some sort of replacement. Terrible. Yeah, they and they want you to uh, mix it with a high-end tonic. So I'm like, I spend $40 on the bottle and another $10 yeah. on like a fever tree. So there was that. And then there was this other brand, which is still kind of out there. So I don't want to say the name, but I, it was the only brand I could find that was like a mocktail. I ordered that. This was pre-prime. It was on Amazon. It took a week to get to me. And it tasted like a juice box, like the ocean spray that used to buy your kids. And that was the point where I'm like, this stinks. I've learned that there's this whole market of people, especially women, who are going to be looking for this if they aren't already. And that's where I developed Mingle. And, you know, again, another thing about women and sticking to your guns and following your gut. That gentleman who helped me incubate this concept, he said, you need to come up with a name. And I had a list of like 200 names. But when I came up with the name Mingle Mocktails, I remember texting him from my kitchen like on a Tuesday night going, Mingle Mocktails. And he said, seems childish. I don't like it. And I went, it's Mingle Mocktails. Get on the bus, dude. This is what it is. It was more like I felt it. And to this day, people have said they love the name and I love the name because it's so representative of what we're trying to do, which is create social connection. I think it's so great. And I wish more people would take those risks, especially women, because there's a million reasons not to do it. And by God, kids are a great excuse and we can hide behind kids. And I do want to say with a caveat, you had a husband. I have a husband who also had a job. So I think it can be a little bit dicey when you're, say, a single mom. Absolutely. So I just want to put that caveat of privilege, like that's acknowledged. But I also think that there are great people out there if you really look for them and ask for their support. I love that you reached out to that blogger. Like, I think not a lot of people would think to do that. Well, I I even went so far as to talk to one of the founders of FitAid, which is a very large beverage company right now. I think that's the name of it. I went on LinkedIn. I, I mean, I'm more comfortable with LinkedIn yeah. than Instagram. And then I also even located a woman in the Northeast out of New Jersey who had a failed mocktail company. And she spoke with me and she told me what happened and why it failed. And so information is key. And if you don't know it, you can fill in the gaps. And, and that saved me a lot of time and effort and a lot of money because I don't want to pay some, somebody to tell me something I can figure out myself. Yeah, I love that. LinkedIn is the best. And I think as long as it's not spammy and it's like, hey, I would love, I'll pay you for your insight, right? But like, you've kind of already walked this path. Can you help? So I saw too that you've got some great distribution. So I think mm-hmm. another big piece of this too is, especially if you have like a CPG product or something physical, You think like, well, how am I going to get a distributor or how am I going to get placement in places like Whole Foods? So can you take us through that journey a little bit? Yeah, I initially hired when I was double heading, I hired a guy who had worked for for Red Bull and Pabst Brewing. He was amazing. And he educated me on this distribution 
approach. Now that incubator company told me you got to get a distributor and I was like, I'm going to find my own way. But of course, that you need distribution to scale. So we um, worked with a local distributor and that's where I cut my teeth and we sold direct as well. The big, the big step up was uh, we secured Bed Bath & Beyond direct. I secured Wegmans and then I secured Whole Foods through the local program. So we didn't have that full distribution yet, but we had enough mo- like national distribution. But we showed enough momentum and and uh, potential where we did uh, secure a national natural foods distributor. Fast forward, we're really excited to be announcing next month the expansion of Mingle with a national spirits distributor, which is huge. Because can you tell us which one? Not yet, because okay. I, just one word we're going to get off and I'm going to guess um, because I yeah. bet I can guess. Yeah. But what's so cool about this is I remember speaking to and educating and sharing information with national buyers from chains like Whole Foods. Anybody who I had their email to set and I say, this is this product. This is who it services. This is why you should care. But I also talked to them about this is the incremental sales opportunity. And Absolute this is nice. what a set looks like. Just put it next to your non-elk beer. You probably have a couple. So I was early, you know, I would consider myself a pioneer in educating buyers and retailers because my background was corporate alliance management. So I was very big on creating connections and sharing knowledge. And it paid off because to this day, you see those things coming to life. So now liquor distributors have have tuned in and they're like, oh yeah, this is... This is this is money on the table that we need to capture away from that foods. I wish that people, too, would look at, you know, gifting as hostess gifts or holiday gifts, non-alc options, because I can't tell you how many bottles of Vuv I've gotten, Laura, Mm -hmm. you know, as like, oh, thank you for this year or whatever. And it's the assumption that everybody drinks. I really feel like we need to kind of go back to the drawing board with that. And something like this or any sort of like non-alc product is a wonderful replacement because Here's the other thing you don't know, like somebody could be really struggling with alcohol. Maybe it's not just they gave it up for the fun of it. They like really can't have it. And then people are shipping. I've gotten cases of wine because I work a lot with um, alcohol and spirits companies. And I just, I roll, I just, you know, me and my husband look at each other and I go, it's going to go to the neighbor. You know what I mean? Like we don't really hang on to that stuff. So I feel like it's the larger context and it's really hard to get point of sale in places like Whole Foods or where you need it. But the education piece is so huge. Yeah. You know, one of my investors had told me that he had sent out a bunch of corporate gifts and he didn't realize he sent out wine. And one of the employees was a recovered alcoholic and was like, hey, thank you so much. But the other thing I want to point out is this isn't exclusively for non-drinkers. I know now, especially in the last, I'd say, 12 months, more social drinkers are drinking mingle than ever. And what I learned in that first six months of sampling on the weekends with my kids and grinding it out is a lot of people, especially women, were like, oh, this would be great with vodka. So I immediately enhanced our label to have a recipe for a mocktail or a cocktail. And it's been so awesome because I can tell you, seeing my friends mixed mingle or just have a mocktail with it, it's the best feeling ever because that's you know, my husband, I made him the Moscow mule so I can have my own and he can mix it. Yeah. And so it really is all inclusive. Yeah, I love that. 
So tell us how Bethany Frankel got involved with Mingle. How did that come about? Did she organically find it or was this a pitch that happened? So Elizabeth, if I showed you my vision board that one of my (laughs) networked contacts told me to create, a fellow woman in business locally, Bethany Frankel was on there twice for Skinny Girl and just as what I would consider a badass businesswoman. Like she's, she's a baller. So I was, it was November a year ago, you know, almost a year ago, I guess. And well, I'll back up. I was looking on my Shopify online account. I, I don't do it like religiously, but I happened to pop on to look at the unsealed orders and there is Bethany Frankel. And I'm like, what? So I uh, professionally did some due diligence and validated this is indeed Bethany Frankel. And I even shared it, the news with my investors. I'm like, this is crazy. So I made sure that box went in, in good care to Bethany yeah. Frankel. And then three weeks later, she did a TikTok review of three non-elf products. And one of them was Mingle. One of them we also talked about. And she was incredibly favorable of the cucumber melon mojito. So as soon as that came on, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Now, this is where we need to create an opportunity. So I was like, if I could get her engaged with my brand, oh my gosh. So I reached out to her people, again, with my LinkedIn uh, prowess, and spoke with her assistant. And um, she said, you know, Bethany's looking at this space. Are you free next week? And so we spoke within a week's time, a couple times. And as you can imagine, it was a very fast-paced conversation, kind of a mini Shark Tank thing. And, uh, you know, she congratulated me on having a great product. And she said, I'd like to participate, you know, and she said, I'll have my people contact your people and we'll figure it out. So, you know, that's how it started. But she texts me ideas. I did an update with her last week. She brings a lot of hustle to the brand. And I've observed her in real life doing some things where we work together. She was on a panel and I'm like, I think I work really hard. Respect. She yeah. busts her tail and she even knows when she's in, she's all in. So she's a hustler. Oh my gosh, I love that. So can we back up a little? So who was your first investor and how did you get them? Let me think back. It was some good friends of ours. It was very uncomfortable. I mean, you know, I, I tell people I'll do anything for money. If, you know, do you want me to strip? What do you need? Like, but <laughs> yeah. In the beginning, that was probably the most uncomfortable thing for me because I've already put myself out there creating this product, which exposed me as being, you know, is she a recovered alcoholic? What's her story? Why is she doing this? But asking for money was like next level discomfort. My husband had been networking with friends or just sharing the idea with people on the golf course and such. And um, actually one of them I mentioned I networked with people. I had actually pitched this concept before launching the company to maybe seven or eight people who would tell me the cold, hard truth. And one of them, he said, you know, I loved your pitch, but you didn't do something. And I said, what? And he said, you didn't ask me how much to invest. And he ended up being my first investor. Oh, I love that. You got to close the sale, Laura. I know. So I learned, but now we have a core group of friends and family who have been with me since the early days and have expanded that to Bethany and, and, you know, her, one of her business partners and then some other individuals in that close network of friends who have stepped up as well. I think that's a very scary potential for a lot of, you know, wannabe entrepreneurs or inventors is 
the money piece, right? Like how do we ask family and friends? Those usually are the people who are going to believe in you the most, but you don't want to come off as like multi-tier marketer kind of, you know, like essential oil, like, oh, put money in this, right? Like you, you, you have to really be able to show your stuff. I got to assume that adds a lot of pressure on you as well. Yeah, I used to feel like, you know, two of the investors are local, very, very good friends. And I felt they need to give them a business update anytime we get together. And they're like, Lauren, we're good. Yeah. You know, and that's a thing where now I know they've seen me work my tail off, but I'm doing everything I can to make this a success for me and everybody who believes in me. But I have a vision and, and, you know, I think they're, they're betting on the vision. And it's up to me to execute on that vision. And, you know, to to bring Bethany on board as an investor and a business partner reinforces that this is real. So it's on me to really crank it up. And that's where I'm at right now. So what piece of advice would you have for somebody who's listening to this? And maybe there's somebody who has nonstop ideas coming through, or maybe there's just one, but they feel like it's just too big of a mountain to climb. I think you'd have to, I, the advice would first be to suss it out. Suss it out in your own way. And for me, that was flushing it out with people who would tell me the truth, who were equipped and I would say qualified to provide business insight that I didn't have. And I would say that don't let fear get in the way. To me, I was paralyzed by the fear of failure. Another thing I would Google, you know, how do I overcome this fear of failure to potentially start a new business? And I would just say that that gets you nowhere. If we let that get in the way, you know, 90% of women-owned businesses would not be here. And then I would say, lastly, I would tap the network and just look for people who are doing something either in the same realm or parallel universe who have stepped out of their comfort zone and ask them for advice. And I think specifically going to women is even better because you feel that comfort and understanding that maybe if they, you know, you're a mother and a wife and, you know, you're trying to figure it out and you've got all these other pressures. I, I think seeking women in the business world who could shed some light on how they've done it is also another thing I would recommend for women out there. And then lastly, go for it. Like the one thing that really pushed me over the edge was I thought, if somebody else launches a really successful mocktail brand, I will be pissed off. So I want that person to be, you know, yeah. and that was the one that, like you said, the, the water company, just, just stick yeah. with it. It's yeah. so funny. I have a, I have a cautionary tale. I don't think I've told listeners about this before, but I had an idea. I wanted to do a granola and this was right before I had my first child. And I got to the point where I was making this granola. Everybody loved it. I actually even had a focus group sample it. We got some really good feedback. I had a guy at, this was when I was at Pirate's Booty, who had a co-packer. Like he was kind of this Willy Wonka, if you will. But he was the one who made all the new flavors of Pirate's Booty. His name was Matt. He's great. And he was really gassing me up. He's like, let's do this, you know? And and it wasn't even he wanted a piece of it. He just wanted to support me. And I thought, oh. I'm going to get pregnant in the next year. Like, this is probably not a great time to start a business. I had some girlfriends who had went to Kind Bar and they said, don't do it. We're coming out with Kind Granola. We will absolutely crush you. Like, just lovingly, like, don't even try. And so I didn't. And probably six years later, I was walking the aisles of Whole Foods and there's purely Elizabeth Granola. And it was this slap in the face of like, 
oh my God, it was the potential, right? It was a ghost of Christmas could. It was like, oh my God, it was so close to the recipe I had developed and I had a great I'm free so option. I'm so for you. I am so, I'm so It was awful, ladies. So I'm telling <laughs> you, like, yes. I mean, there there are probably people who think they could have made all of these things, but unless you just really do it, I that it will always be something I will go to the grave or regretting not just leaning into it and doing it because I think they sold to Kellogg's for like close to a billion. I mean, it's like, it's ridiculous the money this woman made, but to see your name on a granola and that was right, that's like a double six split. years, it yeah. was awful. So take Laura's story, take my story and use it as fuel that this is a signal that you really do. Because at the end of the day, uh, what I tell clients too is like, we're all just out here trying to lessen the potential for future regret. So if there's even a 1% mm-hmm. chance that you're going to re- lay on your deathbed and regret not chasing something, don't we have to do it? Absolutely. That's what that's what I was thinking about, you know, and it wasn't just if somebody else did it, it was like, I don't want to be that person that had this great idea and said what it could have shoulda. And you can qualify yourself out. Like I took one step. I'm like, I here's a business plan. You know, I'm going to talk to some people. And it was one step after another. So you don't have to like bite the whole elephant at once. You can just suss it out, you know, in your own way. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on and being a guest. I always think that these episodes are kind of like divinely guided to who needs to hear them. And I'm sure there's somebody listening today who's on the fence or they're coming up with all of the wonderful excuses on why now is not a good time. But let this be your sign to just start, just have the conversation, reach out to somebody and just get some information on what it would really take. Because I think sometimes we think the barrier to entry is a lot higher than it actually is. You can just be fact-finding, right? To your point, you can just be doing research. And if it seems like too big of a mountain to climb, fine. Maybe you do something else. But I think you owe it to yourself to at least try. I love that, Elizabeth. Well, thank you for having me on as well. I love the advice you're doling out. It's practical wisdom that we all need to hear. It's like a pep talk. I love it. It's a little reminder. That's all it is. That's all these episodes are. So thanks once again, Laura, everybody in the show notes, you can find where to connect with you. But Laura, where can they buy Mingle? Because I know that it's on Amazon. I know that it's like Total Wine here in California. So what's the best way to get it? Is it through the website directly? Yeah, you can get it on MingleMocktails.com or Amazon. We are national with some major retailers like Publix, Whole Foods. You mentioned uh, Total Wine. Uh, We're going to be launching in Target at 800 stores in March. And we're going to be expanding. Huge congrats. Thank you. I know. I'm so excited. And my son who worked for me, he's told me, he's like, celebrate these wins. I'm like, we need to get Grover, you know, but yeah. So, but the website is your your first stop shop. Otherwise, uh, you can go on the store finder and find, check out where we are locally. I love it. And you guys, there are recipes there too. I think it you you can start with the can, you know, or the bottles, but it's really great. You don't have to just stop there. There's these wonderful mocktail and cocktail recipes. So feel free to check it out. Be sure to follow her. All of her social tags are going to be listed below. Thanks once again, Laura. And everybody, I will talk to you uh, on our next episode.